0: The following audio is presented by Grace Church. For more about us, visit discovergrace.com or you can download our free app by searching Grace Church Orlando on your phone or tablet. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. She's kind of cute. I like her. If you're visiting, by the way, that's my wife. My name's Clint Harrison. I'm the campus pastor at Grace Oviedo. So we are wrapping up our series in the Book of Ephesians. We are we've got this week and next week, and then we're jumping into a, a brand new series. But man, it's been a joy. I've really enjoyed it. I hope it's been helpful and beneficial for you. Our passage today is on the more controversial side. It's one of those passages that we like want to just avoid and we tend to avoid. And so different people have different approaches when they read or even hear this passage. And so one of the approaches people take is they hear it or they read it and they go I don't know what to do with that and so I'm just going to skip over it and pretend it's not there. And if somebody brings it up in conversation I mean I've never read that. I don't really know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Like it's it's one of those. Or maybe you're the type of person you read it and you go this doesn't have any relevance in my life. Like it doesn't apply to me. It's antiquated, it's obsolete, it's outdated. We, we don't talk this way, we don't use this. It doesn't relate to me at all. And so you skip over these verses. And the last one is you read it and you are offended that it's even in the Bible. It, it, you're offended by God and you're going, man, I'm questioning you, I'm questioning the Bible, I'm questioning Christianity in general. It's one of those passages where you get, why is this in here? And, and I question everything about you and what you and Christianity believe. And so on that note, let's jump into the passage. Let's dive in. And I want to read in context together and unpack it. So this is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 and following. You'll see it on the screen as well. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord whether he's a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality, no favoritism with him. So now that we've read it and we, we talked about all the approaches, I want to just go ahead and jump into the first most obvious question That many people ask when they read this passage. Is Paul condoning slavery? And the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so I want want you to see something. I want you to hear this. when, When people read this passage, oftentimes as, you know, living in the United States, we automatically interject 17th and 18th century. And we go, okay, I know what slavery was in the United States. And so I'm going to take that and I'm just going to put it into this passage. This is what Paul's talking about. And I want to show you the differences in the first century Roman era slavery to the way we think about slavery in the United States. Not to say that it's good or right, but the differences I want you to see. The first is in Roman era slavery, skin color had no factor. There was people from all over in slavery. The two predominant reasons that they were enslaved, the first one is because they were a slave to their lender. They owed a debt that they couldn't pay. And so they had to live out in payment to this person as slaves. That was the first, very common. The most common was the second. They had battles and wars between different territories. And as they're going to war, whoever lost ended up in prison and in slavery to their victor. So a third of the society in this time in Rome in the first century were slaves. It was a lot. And so that's one factor. Another factor, many slaves could reasonably expect to be emancipated during their lifetime. So very different from the United States, lifetime slavery. In this case, you could pay off your debt and be free. And so many slaves in their 30s were, were set free. Another, another factor, many slaves worked in a variety of specialized and responsible positions. They they did they were doctors, lawyers. They were all, all the gamut except for officials in government. So it was open to so many different types of jobs and specializations. Many slaves received education and training and special skills. Freed slaves often became Roman citizens and what they ended up doing is they would be freed, become a citizen, and then they would work alongside their former master. They were literally business partners together. They worked alongside each other, very different. Despite these differences, let me hear, hear me say this. It was still incredibly inhumane and corrupt. There is data upon data upon data of abuse sexually Physically, emotionally, the whole gamut, verbally. I mean, it was a mess. You can, I just read pages and pages of all these horrible things that took place in this time. So there's some differences. So the question then is, does Paul condone slavery since he doesn't directly speak to it in this passage? And the answer is absolutely not. No. Let me, here's, here's a few thoughts for you. Paul is showing how to work within the socio-economical work of their time. He's saying, hey, listen, here's a broken system. I'm going to tell you how to live within that system. I'm not going to speak about the system directly right now, but I want you to hear, as a follower of Christ, you need to be different because there were so many slaves in this time. Second thing, Paul never gives a theological rationale for slavery anywhere. As a matter of fact, in this passage, it's connected to the household codes. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. Household codes, husbands and wives. What does he say? Husbands and wives point to something bigger than themselves. He gives this theological rationale. They point to the gospel. They point to Christ and the church. And so I want you to live out this way because it has implications for truth, for the gospel. And then it has parents and children. And then when it comes to this section that we just read, he doesn't talk about the system at all. What does he talk about? The manner, the attitude, the motivations. He never says, hey, I'm okay with the system. he saying, say, hey, this system is broken. Let me tell you how to live under it. Let me tell you how to live in it. He's talking about the motive and attitude, not the system. Number three, Paul is countercultural in just addressing slaves altogether. He's saying, I want, to, I want this to change. I want this to be different. And so I'm going to actually address slaves when nobody else does. I'm gonna tell them how to live out their faith. Not only that, I'm going to address masters. You are using your power in the wrong way. Stop threatening them. Stop living the way that you do. If you're a believer, what are you doing? Treat them as equals. That's what he says. And the one that I think is even, even more powerful than all of those. Paul pushes for slaves to be free in two places. First one is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21. It's not on the screen, but I'm gonna read it to you. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. If you can get out, get out. It's not a good system. Second thing is Philemon, verse 16, and I'm gonna address that later. But here's the thing. Again, I I want you to see that this is actually relevant for your life. It's one of those passages where you go, well, this isn't taking place in the United States right now. And so what does this have to do with me? There's an overarching principle. There's actually a question Paul is answering in this passage, in these verses. Here's the big idea. How do you live under a broken system led by broken people? I wanna say it again. How do you live under a broken system led by broken people. Are our systems broken? I mean this has so many implications for us. Now think about it. He's pointing to authority figures and authority authoritarian systems in general. He's saying this is how you live out your faith. This is how you live out your faith when it comes to the government. This is how you live out your faith when it comes to your job. This is how you live out your faith when you're in prison. This is how you live out your faith when people are above you. How do you live this out? That's the picture. How do we live under a broken system led by broken people? And let's just be honest. It's broken, all of it. And you know what? It's not just the system that's broken. It's not just the people who are leading that are broken. We are broken we fall short. We have mixed motives. We, have, we are a mess as a society, and that's why we need Jesus. And that's why Paul is saying, hey, listen, we've got to be different. If you just go with the culture, it's going to be a hot mess. I'm asking you to think and to act and to have different motives than everyone else around you. I want you to be a follower of Jesus, and that means you are different. So let's jump in. Verse 5. Bondservants, doulos, which is the Greek word doulos. It's servants, slaves, bondservants. Obey your earthly masters. Interesting word. Fleshly masters, human masters. In other words, I'm distinguishing your master as a follower of Christ and this person who's over you right now. Watch this. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters. Not just submit, but obey. Do what they've called you to do. Carry out your job. Pay off your loan. Deal with your debt. Masters with fear and trembling. I don't think he's saying that they need to be scared out of their minds. He's saying respect them. Revere them. They're in authority over you with a sincere heart. See, he's talking about motive. He's not talking about the system. He's talking about what, how is your heart doing in the midst of all this brokenness, of all these challenges, of all this corruption, as you would Christ. So bond servants, obey your earthly masters with respect and reverence, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. In other words, there's someone who's above you. It's not just I'm going to serve my employer. It's not just I'm going to serve the president. It's not just I'm going to live out my faith in all these different scenarios. No, 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 no. You serve the greatest master in the, in the planet, in the world, in the universe. And because you serve him, obey those who are above you. Live differently. I know it's broken. I know it's fallen. But you serve the ultimate master, which is me. He's saying, my life is to please him. We belong to him. Everything else flows out of that. He's challenging our motivations. He's saying, we need to obey Christ and not just everyone else. We obey Christ and it flows out. And so you may have a terrible boss. So how do we do this? How do we live this out? Charles Spurgeon, I love this quote. Read it with me. He says, grace makes us the servants of God while still we are the servants of men. It enables us to do the business of heaven while we are attending the business of earth. Stay right there. So grace, he's saying this thing that makes you different from everyone else. The the one who gave up his rights, right? Who lived a perfect life, gave up his rights, died on a cross, he lived a crucified life. For who? For us, So that grace that he poured out on on our behalf because of what he's done, what does it do? It makes us servants of God while we're still servants of men, while we're still servants at our job, servants under the government, servants in our homes, wherever it is. And what that means is grace enables us to do what God does, to live differently, to live sacrificially, to obey when it doesn't make sense to Right? Not in a sinful sense, but I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for my enemies. Jesus talks about this all throughout the Sermon on the Mount and all throughout the Gospels. We are to live differently. In other words, we don't get our identity from what we do, but who we belong to. We We don't get our identity from what your boss says or thinks about you, but from what Jesus says and declares for you. That's the difference. So it enables us to bring heaven down to earth. And everybody goes, why is this guy and why is this lady acting like this? This is so different. I'm gonna finish the quote. It sanctifies the common duties of life. It sets it apart. It it makes it holy by showing us how to perform them in the light of heaven. It's a great quote. So this frees us up to serve under terrible bosses, terrible people, and terrible systems. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's what he's calling us to. And so I got some application for you. Think about this. Many of you have bosses, okay? Not all of you, but many of you. Do you show respect to your boss? Do you do what they say pertaining to the job? Or do you back talk? Do you try to subvert them from the side? Do you just go around them? Or do you Build them up and say, hey, I know you don't treat me well. I know this is a broken system. I know my job isn't the best, but I'm going to serve you the way Christ served me. I'm gonna love you the way Christ loved me. I didn't deserve it. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. He's saying be different. Verse six, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So whether you're in lawn care, construction, You're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're an engineer, whatever it is that you are. You're not supposed to just operate and act right when your boss is around or when it looks good for you or when everybody's paying attention or you're going to get that recognition. No, 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 no. Whether they're looking or not, you serve Christ. It means you don't cut corners. Now, I just want to stop for a second as I say that. Some of you are like ultra sensitive and you'll have extra sensitive consciences and you get in a job and you feel like, man, I could never cut a corner because I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so you end up spending three hours on the thing that your boss does not want you to spend three hours on. You need to give yourself some grace. I'm not talking to you right now <laughs> necessarily. So just give yourself some grace. But I'm saying in general, are you living out your faith and are you being consistent? Are you just doing it to get ahead? That's what he's talking about. Not by the way of eye service or people pleasers. And then he, he says this, but as bondservants of Christ. You see the play on words he just did? He said, hey, bondservants, obey your masters. Live it out in fear and trembling. But then he, did, he plays with this word bondservants, doulos. But as doulos of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Paul uses the same word for slavery as our relationship with Jesus. We're not slaves to others. We're not slaves to our jobs. We're not slaves to the government. We are slaves to Christ. That's what he's saying. So live that way. Please him. So whether your job is crazy, whether your boss is acting a fool, whether everything gets crazy in the government, which it is, right? So whatever happens, you live out of your faith. You let live out of what Christ has done for you and not the flip. And you're going, I didn't even think this passage applies to my life, right? He's saying, don't be two-faced, Don't just be a people pleaser, nice on the front, and then evil on the back. I had a guy who was an assistant manager at a store I ran. And when I got there, I was the new guy. He had been running things for a while, but I was taking over. He was super nice to me in my face, worked really hard, always had a smile, liked to make jokes. He's a great guy in person, very relational. And uh, anything I needed, oh, yeah, man, Clint, whatever you need, bro. Whatever you need, man, I'm, I'm right here. I'm here for you. And then behind me, I had no idea to my entire staff, man, Clint is just a waste of space. Like, why is he here? Give it three months, I'll have his job. He's a loser. Like, he said a lot worse than that. I'm just not saying it on stage, right? But he's behind me just tearing me apart. And I had no idea. I thought he was being a nice guy, right? People pleaser. Don't be that person. Don't be the person who's doing everything contrary to what Christ would call you to when no one's looking or when your boss isn't looking. That's the picture. Verse seven, rendering service with a goodwill as to the Lord and not man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, that this he will receive back from the Lord. This is very interesting language. Whether he is a bondservant or is free. This is what I think Paul's doing here. He's saying, hey, whatever you do, you need to do it as unto the Lord, which is what we've been saying. But then he has this interesting language. He goes, knowing that whatever good Anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. I think, okay, Paul is speaking of manumission here. You see, there is this thing where slave owners could free their slaves at any point. They could say, hey, you're good. Your debt's been paid. I'm letting you free. And oftentimes in this culture, the way that that would happen is that it's someone who serves well, who's honest, who has integrity, who lives out essentially what Paul is saying, their faith, who lives out their faith in Jesus. And so I think Paul is saying, hey, listen, you'll receive back maybe in this life. Watch, he says, whether he's a bondservant and he stays that way or he's free. I think Paul is saying, hey, I want to see this system go away. I want to see this whole thing taken down. Here's a way that you personally can be a part of that Be like Jesus and be free. Whether they let you free or you're free for eternity, live for Jesus. So he's subverting the system, I think in an appropriate way. He's saying, live out your faith. And it's incredible. I I get this, not not just because I, I read that passage and the language fits. I think Paul lived this out. So I went to Bible college, to seminary, and I never really understood the book of Philemon. And as I was unpacking this and walking through it and studying. If you don't know the story, man, it's an incredible one. Onesimus was a slave who ran away from his master Philemon, literally just runs away. We don't know if he did something. We don't know how the Philemon was as a master. We don't know any of that, but we know that he ran away and that he was in trouble for running away. He goes and he meets Paul. Paul's in jail. He starts serving Paul. Paul shares the gospel with him, Onesimus comes to Christ, gives his life to Jesus, his eternity is changed forever. And he continues to serve alongside Paul. Paul's like, this guy's amazing. He gets to understand his context, his relationships, and then he hears the backstory. Oh, I ran away from a man named Philemon. Just so happens, Paul knows Philemon, knows that he's a believer. And he says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, you ran away? Listen, I, you need to go and reconcile with Philemon. Here's the deal, man. Otherwise, you're gonna be walking around looking behind your back all the time wondering, am I gonna get arrested? What's gonna to happen to me? This wasn't legal. And so Paul said, hey, I want you to work within the system. I want you to follow Jesus. I want you to go and I'm gonna send you with a letter to Philemon. Onesimus, I don't know if he wrestled and said, hey man, I don't wanna do that. Like, that's gonna be bad news for me. We don't know that conversation. What we do know is he went back. He brings a letter what does the letter say? Paul, the apostle Paul, who's in prison, says, hey, listen, this guy, Onesimus, is a brother. He's part of the family. He's a child. He, he's a part of my family. I'm like a spiritual father to him. He's an amazing guy. You need to receive him. Watch this. this. This is unheard of in their time. He doesn't just say, hey, he's a brother in Christ. Hey, he's a part of my family. He says, you need to receive him as a brother in Christ and not to mention this gets crazy, and not only that, whatever debt he owes to you, put it on my account. Let me just tell you how big of a deal that was. Onesimus running away didn't just mean flogging. It didn't just mean prison. It meant his life. He could be killed for this offense. And so Paul's coming in, it's really interesting in Philemon, I'm diving in here, but in Philemon, it's interesting, nowhere is the gospel specifically mentioned. Nowhere is Jesus specifically, what happens? Paul comes in and he lives like Jesus. He represents the gospel between these two men. He says, hey, I'm sending you, go and reconcile, and whatever sins, whatever account, whatever debt, you put it on me. I have been forgiven and set free. My account, my sins have been placed on Christ on the cross. Now you can place his account on mine. I will die in his place. Set him free. It's this beautiful picture of the gospel. And Paul's saying, I don't want anything to do with this system. I don't want anything to do with this. Y'all need to reconcile, and you need to treat him as a brother. And then he says, I want you to be business partners with him. I mean, he totally subverts the whole system. And he's saying, "I, I want this to be different. He worked within the system, but he brought about change in the appropriate ways. It's beautiful. What system are you frustrated with in your life right now? What's that for you? Are you handling it in a godly manner? Think about that. Think about your conversations, your emails, your posts on social media. Are they appropriate? Are you respecting others? Are you living out your faith? in such a way that Matthew five sixteen, 16, let your light so shine that it's bright before men that they may see your good deeds, that they may see your actions, that they may see your attitude, that they may see your manner and give praise to God. That's what Paul's saying. You need to be different. Verse nine, masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening. What? I didn't even say this in the last service, but it's standing out on the page. Do the same to them. Treat them well. Love them. Serve them. Those who are under you, you're a follower of Jesus. How are you conducting yourselves? And stop your threatening. What are you doing? Are you serious? That person's made in the image of God. Are you going to threaten them? Yeah, it's helpful for your job. It gets stuff done. But is that really what you're supposed to be doing? Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no favoritism, no partiality with him. Managers, CEOs, high level management, middle management, how do you treat your employees? I mean, think about this. Do you see your employees as made in the image of God? Or just the next project, just the next paycheck, just the next recognition that you're gonna get based off of whatever thing they accomplished? How are you viewing that? How are you treating those under you? He's saying be different, be light. I wanna land with this question. Will you live out your faith under broken systems led by broken people. And I want to say this. You can't do it on your own. There is such, in business they say it like this, culture eats systems for lunch. Wipes them out. Our culture is eating our livelihood, our manners, our, our attitudes, our motivations for lunch. And he's saying, Don't be like the culture. Don't be like them. Be different. Be a light. Be different. And you need Jesus to do that. He's our only hope. He's our only help. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you that Jesus is our example who laid down his rights, who laid down his rights, even though he lived a perfect life, so that we could have hope so that we could see the gospel, so that we could be forgiven and set free. God, I pray that as we think through this passage, as we wrestle through it, that we would lay our rights down and that we would live out of who he's created us to be. Help us, oh God. Help us to trust you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.